0: We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and this is a prayer that you should pray every day. This is a prayer that would absolutely, absolutely change your life. So what we're going to do is, I'm going to pray this passage over us. So if you would stand to your feet, and we're going to pray this passage over us. If you could bow your heads with me, and Father, I want to thank you that as we Stand for prayer. We acknowledge that you're the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And we pray that from your glorious unlimited resources that you would empower us this morning with inner strength through your spirit. We pray that Jesus would make his home in our hearts, that we would trust in him, and our roots will grow down into God's love and keep us strong. And may we have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep your love is. May we experience the love of Christ. And though we recognize that it's too great to understand fully, we pray that we would be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And now, Lord, to you, who is able through your mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more that we should ask or think all glory would be yours in the church by Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Right on. So that's the passage we're going to be looking at this morning that's just been prayed over you as we continue in this series through the book of Ephesians. If you're just joining us, all of the old messages are online for free forever. You can grab those. We're going to be about six more weeks in this series here. It's awesome. You will get to know God more. You'll learn how to practically live the Christian life here. So we've been talking about this, Paul's letter to the church. We're going to unpack his prison prayer. So I want to show you a couple pictures here. This actually is where Paul was here. Paul was in basically a, a little box, a, a hole there in the ground. It was cold. It was dark. Uh, it was confined. Here's another picture of it here. That's what his prison cell looked like there, one of his prison cells. And that's where he was, this primitive ancient prison in Rome here. No running water, no fresh food, no fresh water, no, you know, uh, uh, systems like we have today. It was just horrific. It was dark. It was dirty. It was cold. It was cramped. And what you need to also know is his body's broken. Paul's body is broken here. He's suffered a lot. He, he's been attacked by mobs. He's been left uh, uh, for shipwreck. He's been left for dead. He's been unconscious. Paul's body is broken here. And it's a miracle that he's even alive. It's a miracle that he's even alive here. And so, He's writing to a church and he says, look, don't lose heart. I know you're weary. and I know you're going to give up, but just don't lose heart here. So Paul, in the midst of his limitations, what he does is in his broken body, he bows down. Imagine how hard that would be as broken as his body was that he bows down there. And he calls on an, on, a, on an unlimited God, even though his situation was very limited there. That God would do what only God was able to do here. And so there he is, he's praying. And I want to encourage us with this because sometimes life can feel constrained if you know what I mean it can feel constrained sometimes you can feel like you have all these limitations that you're facing but don't forget that he's a limitless God there no no matter how limited your your situation seems you're always praying to a God who is limitless there so Paul now he gets down and he humbly drops to his knees here and begins to pray for the church there in Ephesus and that prayer then is recorded for us here that we can look at it this morning. It is a prayer worth praying. It's a prayer that you want to pray every day. Verse 14 says, when I think of this, I fall on my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of heaven, uh, of everything in heaven and on earth. When I think of this, when I think of What? What are you thinking about that would cause you to pray here? He says, well, when I think of the weariness of the people, when I think that they're losing heart, when I think that all that God has, has done for us, when I think that we were, we were so far away from God, we were lost in our trespasses and in our sins. When I think that we were dead on the inside, when we were at zero point, it was in the midst of that, but God who was rich in his mercy, God stepped into our story when we were like that. We we're brought near by the blood of Christ here. Jesus changed everything. He says, when I think of the riches Of His grace. When I think of the riches of His mercy, that we are chosen by the Father, and we're redeemed by the Son, and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and all that God has done is raise us up in Christ. Uh, We were unchosen, we were unworthy, and we were undeserving, and we were unclean, and we were ungodly, and we were, uh, he talked about, we were uncircumcised. You remember that message there. God adopted us, and God gave us access and made us citizens of His kingdom. Kingdom. He says, when I think of all that, he says, I hit my knees here and I pray. So Paul now, he's so connected to God. He's so walking with God here that he's falling on his knees and he's praying for them. And so today we're going to unpack how big is God and how big is his prayer here. And, so, and i like to just give a little shout out before we actually unpack what he asked for. I want to give a big shout out because, you know, every time you gather here, Do you know that you're prayed for, like you have never entered into this building one time that you have not been prayed for. And there's a band of people, there's a prayer group, uh, to my right or your left, that gathers in that alcove every single Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 that you are prayed for. So I just want you to know that uh, you can. they're praying for you, that God would strengthen you, that God would renew you, that you would experience him, that you would meet God here, and that uh, you would be inspired and, and renewed. So thanks to the prayer team. Will you give a big shout out for them? So, when I think of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. And so, he says, I fall to my knees in your notes. Prayer is very personal, very personal. Says something that you need to decide that you will do. You need to decide that you want to be a praying person. Paul decided that in the prison cell. Wow. To think about that. Think of the people there receiving this letter. Thinking that, wow, our pastor, he's been in prison for for five years. And there he is in, in his broken body and he's hitting his knees and he's praying for us here. He says, I'm praying to the Father. I'm talking to God about you there in Ephesus. So he's so connected to the Father. And you know, Jesus said this. Said that when the disciples asked him, So, how do we pray? Teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, Well, when you pray, pray like this our father, our daddy. It's relational there in your notes. Prayer is relational to God the father. So you're speaking to a perfect, loving father who's like a dad to you. You say, well, my my dad was dysfunctional or absent. Listen, your heavenly father's not dysfunctional. He's a perfect father. And so we pray prayer is personal there. And so, uh, when you recognize that God is your Father, it's easier to talk to Him as your perfect Father there. And so, it says here in verse 15, too, that He's the Creator of everything in heaven and earth. And that reminds us that God, that everyone that has ever lived is cut from heaven and earth, okay, comes from God the Creator, who is immortal who is immeasurably greater than we could ask or think. He's more awesome. Our God is an awesome God, but he's more awesome that you can even comprehend. He's unlimited God. Where you can't, he can. He is that God. Immensely immeasurable, incomprehensible. This is the God that we come to here. And then prayer, lastly, in your notes, it is asking Part of prayer is asking. It's making requests of God here. The Bible says in Philippians here, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. So prayer is asking. So now what we're going to do in our remaining time is this. is Paul is going to ask four things of God. He's going to ask him for the church then and really to the church now. And so these four things are four things that absolutely will revolutionize your life. These are four things that will change your life. Your best story as a Christ follower, if you are one, is on the other side of these four things. It's building these four things into your life that will transform you. So we're going to unpack them one at a time here. And here's what he's praying for, verse 16. I pray that, here it is, from his glorious and unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Remember, he's talking to people that are losing heart and ready to give up. Okay, These are people that are discouraged here. So what he says is this, he says, I want you to be strengthened with God's power in your spirit, some translations read, in your inner man, the inner you, the, the real you. And so Ephesians here is saying that uh, God promised a day that, would, that would, would come where God would send his spirit and that he would dwell within you. And so he's saying, look, I'm getting on my knees here and I'm praying that God would be powerful within you. And these people that I love, God, that you would strengthen them with prayer through your spirit in the inner being. This is the prayer here. And so it's, pr- it's a prayer, really, that I need to be praying. I need to be praying for us. I need to be praying for me. If you have kids, you have a spouse, you have a husband, wife, this is a prayer you need to be praying here. And so, uh, but so often our prayers, and I, and I get it, but sometimes so often our prayers can be, you know, God, help, help. Joe to 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 stop smoking and help my husband to stop drinking so much and and help you know uh, Soever to be not so promiscuous. And, and we have all these prayers and they're legit prayers, but there's a much greater prayer than any of those prayers. And so Paul is, is taking them uh, to this here where he says, praying that you would be strengthened in your inner man with inner strength through his spirit, that you wouldn't lose heart in your lives here. He says, I want you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, the living God, in your hearts there. And so, why would we pray this prayer? Because, see, here's why. It's when the Holy Spirit, he he enters you, and he changes you from the inside out. We can prayer a, a, a thousand lesser prayers. But when this prayer gets a hold of you, when God gets a hold of you, see, when he changes you from the inside out, then his desires just become your desires. And he owns you. And he transforms you here. And so people don't need endless church programs. People don't need, you know, endless systems. What they need is is this prayer here they need we need the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of us that 's what changes you that 's what transforms you that 's the prayer that we need to pray here. You see well, somebody says, well, you know what uh, uh, my my accountability partner uh, didn 't call me for three weeks, and that 's why that 's why I, I I slipped back up that 's what happened no, really, you never had the Holy Spirit come into your heart to change you. Don't make it about your accountability partner. This is it. You need God inside you by his spirit here. And That's why Paul said, I'm getting on my knees. That God would strengthen people from the inside out in your, in your inner being. This is the essence of the Christian life. And so he prays for the power of God would be at work within them. It's so, so essential So central, so foundational to our story. So in your notes there, pray for God's immeasurable resurrection power to be at work in your life. Pray for God's power to be at work in your life. This is so big. Praying for spiritual strength. Because see, you live your life out of this, what what he calls the inner man. That's what you live your life out of there. So verse 17 he talks about growing a root system rooted in God's love. Then, after you do that, you're filled with God's spirit, then Christ will make his home in your hearts. Oh, well, time out. Who's he writing here to? Is he writing to people that uh, are, are, are God is foreign to them? Or is he writing to the church? He's writing to the church, and he tells the church Christ will make his home in your hearts. You mean that hasn't happened yet? To be continued. Why would he pray this? Why would he remind Christ's followers, you need more of Christ. Why would he remind them that you need a, a root system going? See, he's praying for individuals to be rooted, to be rooted in the soil of God's love. And that it would go deep in the in in God's love there. You see, when that happens, when your your roots go deep in the soil of his of his love, it's like he's got you. And you're not going anywhere else. Like I don't know where else I would go. I don't, I don't know how else to live than to live like, like I live. You know, Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And so our roots go, go deep in him there. And so you just can't walk away because you're rooted in the depths of his love. And so, but he says this, he writes to church, and he says, he says, Christ needs to settle down more in your heart. Well, what is that all about? What is that all about? To to settle in the heart means this. It means to inhabit. It means to literally settle down there to take up residency. To take up residency. So what is going on with the church there? It means to be comfortably settled in your heart or your inner being. So think of it this way. Uh, You could have a home and you have like a little guest house in the back. And then you have the the home with the master bedroom. This is saying Jesus doesn't want to be in your life, doesn't want to be in the guest house in the back. He wants to be in the master bedroom. He wants to be in the middle of the action of your home life, that Christ would make his home in your hearts. You see, what this does, this describes your relationship with, with God, we're going to unpack your relationship with Him. Notice it doesn't say this; it doesn't say that Christ would make His, uh, that Christ would make your heart His hotel. Come on, somebody! His hotel. Look at the picture of the hotel. We've all stayed in hotels, right? I, I like hotels, and so, but Jesus doesn't want hotel status. Cause you know what happens? Watch. When you go to the hotel, what do you do? You check into the hotel and you check in for a day or two, right? And then what do you do? You check out. You check out of the hotel. You check in, you check, then you might come a couple few months later and you check into the hotel and then you check out. And so could it be, could it be that sometimes, see, Christ was in their hearts. But could it be that sometimes it was like a hotel relationship where he really wasn't dwelling in their hearts, but it was more he was checking in, checking out there in their relationship, maybe a little more distance there, a little more, more out there, hotel status, not home status? Have you ever gone into a hotel like this? See, Jesus wants to come into our lives and he wants to change things. How many people you know he wants to change things? Okay, so but how many people you've gone into a hotel? You've ever gone into a hotel and uh, like that put the picture back up again. You gone into a hotel and you walk into the room and you and you say, "You know what?" I think I need to go to Home Depot because I want to change the wallpaper. And uh, I notice that the sink is, is leaking there. And by the way, the carpets, you know, need to be cleaned there. I'm going to go home and I'm going to get, I'm going to get my tools because I need to go to work on the hotel. Have you, ever, have you ever thought that? Maybe you've been in some hotels that you want another room, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean? And so, uh, but you never have a, a work uh, renovation project in a hotel. Jesus wants to settle down in your heart and he wants to do some work inside you there. And so, uh, so he doesn't want to be a guest. He wants a permanent status there. He wants to be a resident. So now what happens when you buy a home? When you buy a home, it's altogether different like see when Jesus moves into your into your the heart of your of your life there it's like moving into a home where he says, "You know what hmm, i need to I, I I need to work on that." And in fact, and, and I need to keep working on that over there and uh, that, needs, that needs to be painted and like when you move into a house, oh, that, the lights need to be changed, the carpet needs to be changed, you know, the landscaping, you know, all the things need to be changed there so you're not a guest, you are a resident there. And this passage here is telling us that Jesus doesn't want to live in us like we are a hotel. How would you describe your relationship with him? Now you say, well, why is this pertinent? Here's why it's pertinent. Because the next generation, the next generation would shift Jesus from being in their hearts, their home, to their hotel. Did you know that? How do you know that? We know that because Jesus told us that. In the book of Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, he told us what happened to this very church here. That they started off right, but then they had heart drift, where it drifted from Jesus in my heart to my home to Jesus out there in the hotel. Okay, and so Jesus then began speaking to them and he said this to the church he says you know you had a great start you had an incredible start you were rocking there it was amazing you had Paul you had Timothy as your pastors you were killing it in the community there i was in the master bedroom but then something happened something happened there in one generation they tanked they went sideways a bit there jesus says 20 years later and i quote i know your deeds your hard work and perseverance, yet I have this against you. You've forsaken the very love. Remember, rooted in love? Okay. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. He says, repent and do the things that you did at first. Look at what happened and so they're now hotel status. Paul is praying that God what wants to do in you in you spiritually. He wants to settle down in your heart here. So the question was not is he is Christ in their lives or not. That was not the question. He was The question was, was he really dwelling in their hearts? For some of you here this morning, the question may not be, is Christ in your life or not? He is. The question is, is he really settled down there, dwelling, living in your hearts there? Does he have permanent status there? Is he comfortable there? And so how do you know when Jesus is hotel status? How would you even know that? Well, you know these hotel status when Jesus is in your life, but like the hotel, it's a peripheral experience. Not an everyday experience, not something that you're doing all the time there. He's on the outside there, not central to your life. And you're not building your life around him. Jesus is peripheral like the hotel. You know that Jesus is a hotel in your life when he's not in the in the master bedroom. He's not like central uh, in your life there where you're building your life around him. He's like more of a of a of a guest there on the outside there. And so Now, you've seen Fixer Upper on TV. Put that out there. You know, uh, how many people love Fixer Upper? Show of hands. Come on. Come on. And so we love Fixer Upper. Uh, My wife and I, we've been out there to Waco a a number of times. We love Chip and Joanna and go shopping and spend lots of money at at her place there. And so, so we've all got it clear in our heads Chip and Joanna, they go in there and they do Fixer Upper. And so what the Bible is saying that Jesus wants to come into your life and he wants to do fixer-upper inside you. Wants to do an inside job. Just like when you buy a home and you look at the wallpaper and it's like 1960s and you think, that is gross. You say, you know what? I need to apply my touches to that wallpaper there. Now imagine that, that you are the living home and Jesus is settling into your home and Jesus is coming to renovate your house here that Christ would make his home in your heart. So let's get practical here with the message. Jesus comes into your home and he looks around and he says, you know what? There's a leak in the roof there. Needs some obvious work that needs to be done. It's obvious that work needs to be done here. Jesus says, I've got to put, comes into your life, says, I've got to put my touches on that, relationship. that Toxic relationship. I've got to put my my touches on that. Or he's walking around and, and, and he sees us, you. Know what? I've got to put my touches on your patience. There. I see how you're being with your husband or wife or friends or coworkers or your kids there. And so Jesus comes in and the fruit of the spirit is patience. And when Christ comes into your spiritual home, he begins to mess with the home here. And so he looks around and he says, you know what? And, he, and Jesus looks around, the, the home of your, of your life there, and, he, and he's looking at everything and he's thinking, there's a lot of work to be done in here. Uh, that wallpaper has got to come down there. He's saying like, you know what? That relationship has got to come down. That unforgiveness has got to come down. That bitterness has got to come down. You will know, see, things have to come down in your life. And so there he is working in you behind the scenes. Verse 17 says also that your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. He prays that they would be deeply rooted in God's love here. Now verse 18, if you want to look on the screens and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of God. Now, people read this, and I get it. I get it, especially if you've been around church. You're like, you know what? I know all about the love of God. Well, maybe you need to rethink that. Because you are finite in your understanding the love of God is infinite. So you really can't understand mentally. You can't can't grasp it. It's too great. See, He says, How wide is God love? It it reaches all peoples, all languages, all nations for all time. It is so wide. How long? It lasts for eternity before time. Uh, goes throughout the ages. It goes on and on and on. And nothing, Paul said, can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And how deep is the love of God? Think of this. It plunges to the depths of our brokenness. Think of this, how deep is his love? Here's how deep it is. The king, think of it. A king has come for his subjects. And when is the last time that a king came to die for his subjects? That doesn't happen. But he, here Jesus, he came to die. He came to our planet, our king, to die for his subjects. Where the Bible says, when we were yet sinners, the king came to die for us, the ungodly. How insane is that? How crazy, how wide, and how deep is the love of God? So Paul says, to the church, and I would say to you, you are loved immeasurably more than you can even think. That's how great is his love here. And so Paul prays for the power of God to, so that they could experience his love. Cause you can't mentally grasp it in your notes there. Pray for the power to grasp, to grasp the love of God, to get rooted in the love of God. I'm irreversibly connected to his love. If we don't get to these points, I think, I think we're just playing games. We're just playing church. So I pray for the power that God would grasp us with his love. Now, what an interesting passage this is in verse 19. It says, and may you know or experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to really know. Well, what is that all about? It says may you experience the love though it's too great to really experience. How, how do you connect those dots? What an interesting passage. It says some of your scriptures read that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And so it's something watch, it's something beyond knowledge. His love so great, it is beyond knowledge. So I could sit here all morning long and I could read to you and lecture to you and I could say, and let's look at the, you know, original language and Greek and Hebrew and all that and, uh, and whatever and educate and educate. Paul said that that's not enough. That'll never get you there It's Beyond knowledge, beyond knowing that it's something you have to experience where God, the Holy spirit makes it real to you. This is a work of God's spirit where He's the one that makes it real to you. And so, and then when that happens, watch, then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. There's there's Jesus dwelling in your house, every nook and cranny of your house, filling it with himself, who is the love of God. And then you, you understand, you have a moment where I've got it. I get it. I see it now. Verse 19, and may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete. What does complete mean? with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So he says to understand the love, even though it's too great to understand, you have to experience it. So in your notes, pray to be filled with the fullness of God himself. Pray to be filled with the fullness of God himself. And so what does that mean to be filled with the fullness of God. That means that this should be your goal. This is your goal in life. I don't know what you want to be known for. You know what? I don't, I don't really care to be known as a, like a, a, a good teacher. I don't care to be known as a great pastor. You know what I want to be known for? I want to be known for, hey, that dude, he's, he's filled with the fullness of God. That's what I want to be known for. I mean, what do you want to be known for? I want to be known because, see, when that happens, people are like, hey, something's different about them. They don't don't react. They don't act. They're different. You know what's different? They're filled with the fullness of God. And you think, well, how, how can that be that you could be filled with the fullness of God? I mean, God is so big. How could that ever be? Well, if I could take a cup and I could put the Pacific Ocean in that cup, if I had this bottle here and say, this bottle here is filled with a little bit of the Pacific Ocean. So not all of the Pacific Ocean is in this bottle, but all that the Pacific Ocean is is in this bottle, So you think, well, how could God be in me? Well, all that God is, the the essence of God, all that the essence of God is, can be in you, is what he's saying here. And so you could feel like when I'm filled with the, the fullness of God, I'm not just a human being. I'm not just a man. I'm a man who's, who's filled with the fullness of God. And that is the goal there, that you would deeply know the love of Christ, that you would be deeply rooted, that you would be full of, of who God is here. You see, it's supernatural. God fills you, and he makes you. He transforms you. He tweaks you. He does all the renovation projects in you, and he makes you a new person there. He rewrites your story. And you know what? This is what's so attractive to people. Do you want to be attractive? This is what is so attractive to people right here. The fullness of God. People say something has happened to them. So it's not enough. It's not enough to go through the motions. It's not enough to show up on Sunday morning. We're not measuring who we are by how many people show up. We're measuring who we are by, are we filled with the fullness of God? And so your heart would be Christ's home, that you would grasp the love of God, that God's power would be at work in your life. And you know, we read that and we think, wow, are you kidding me? Like, that's crazy. That's like over the top. Is it even possible that God could do that? Well, yes, it is, because this is what God is like. Verse 20. And now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power, at work within us. See, it's God who's at work in you, not you. So it can be done. I wonder sometimes if our prayers are too small. I wonder if our dreams are too small, because it is God who is at work in you, to do infinitely more than we might ask or think. All glory to God, the God most high. The very things that we are praying for, God is able to do these and even more. Wow. Because it's not you, it's God. He's at work within you. Not based on who you are, but based on who he is. So you can be a good mom by the glory of God. You can be a good dad for the glory of God. You can be more of a mom than you could even ask or think. You could be more of a dad than you could even ask or think. You can be more... Not because of you, but because of God inside you. And he is able to take rebels like me and make us sons and daughters. He is able to do more. He's able to put his spirit in us to live inside of us such that he creates a beautiful house there, a beautiful home. God is able. Do we ever sell him short because he's able? Forgiveness. for, for, I think we need forgiveness for settling sometimes for too little, for, for too small of, of dreams of what could be. Because he's able to provide. He's able to empower. He's able to keep his promises. He's able to heal. He's able to put his transformative touches on your life. There is no one like our God. He's an awesome God here. So we're going to sing to Jesus how we're going to pray to Jesus. And um, This is how we're going to close here. And so I'm going to ask you if you would bow your heads with me uh, before the worship team comes up that we would uh, just have a moment, some space to process and to uh, um, just have a sacred space before we close and singing. And so Father, I pray that we would not play games. I pray for myself that I just wouldn't get up and give talks. We want to experience you. You're beyond our knowing. You're beyond our finding out. Your power, your love in our hearts that we would adore you Would you grant us the power to understand you? Father, I pray for every man and every woman in this room that we would know how long and how wide and how deep, how great is the love of God. That we would get how big this is, your love. Everything about you, so wide, so long, so deep, so high. And Father, I pray that the whole hotel deal, that we would surrender to you, that we would say yes to you, yes, that Christ would dwell in our hearts, the home of our hearts by faith. We pray that you would do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.